I would say that the news that came out this past uh, past week really has been so extraordinary, so full of imagination. Things that it's the news that you would never expect. That's that's what it is. It's news that you don't expect. Somebody ought to have a a TV news program saying. This is primetime news that you don't expect, right? Something like that, because that's what it is. I mean, when you have Jay Paul, and we'll talk about her in a moment, this congresswoman, talking about how rape is a tool of war and seemingly, seemingly making excuses for Hamas's massive number of rapes against women and kind of dismissing it and putting it in context somehow, um, that, that's absurd. You would never expect that, right? News you would not expect. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, same thing with, uh, you know, the drone attacks and us doing nothing in response. Same thing with uh, Biden saying that if it weren't for Trump running for in 2024, he wouldn't be running. Right. So which is odd. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But I just find it very interesting every week. It's just what what strange oddities will come to us tomorrow. I'm like what? what is, I turn on the TV, the news. And don't you feel this way? Like. What bizarre thing am I going to be hearing today? Yeah. Right? Five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 and so on, you, you turn on the news and you might hear about, well, inflation is ticking up. Uh, the economy is, uh, needs a little bit more improvement. Um, you know, people are running against this or that. There's an abortion debate. Okay, fine. But you don't expect this level of absurdity day after day. I think that's really the best way to sum it up. Yeah. It's absurd. It's, 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 you know, look, I always say history is a series of surprises. Okay, that's a Brucklerism. Uh, and and I, I can prove it to you. I mean, we, you can really look at history that way, right? Um, the uh, Pearl Harbor, surprise, <laughs> right? Uh, the, the Holocaust tragically was also a surprise. Hitler was, was a surprise. Uh, you, the 9-11, a surprise. Hamas, uh, on October 7th, very much of a surprise for Israel, at least. Uh, Napoleon was a surprise to, to the European powers. He came out of nowhere, seemingly. And so on and so on. Okay, yeah. that the, the American Revolution, surprise. Yeah. Nobody expected that. No. Um, and no one expected a full-on war because of the Boston Tea Party or, you know, taxes and things like that. It's, but, but suddenly, America became a reality. Yeah. And, and it it is, in essence, a series of surprises. And what's happening week after week is one series of surprises after the other. It's like we're having it all condensed within one week, yeah. whereas previously it would be stretched out over decades, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, uh, well, I, I think you understand where I'm going to that. We will be talking about um, a lot of these things and maybe a couple more. The first one I want to talk about is uh, indeed what Jay Paul, this congresswoman, said about uh, rape, the Hamas rapes. And, and this woman, Bash, I guess her, is her name that she's an interviewer for, I think CNN. And she talks and, and is challenging uh, Jay Paul about uh, the fact that no woman's group is seemingly supporting Israel and the Israeli women who were raped. Uh, and it was pretty horrific. I mean, it's, it, it does, not, does not get worse than that. I mean, rape of, of all kinds is terrible, of course. But the, the level of torture and rape that was going on, and, and then in many cases they were killed uh, shortly after it. So they were, they were killed twice, in a sense. They were killed first by way of rape, and then secondly, right after that, uh, they, were, they were killed with a bullet in their heads. Uh, and, and, and worse, if you can imagine that, that it's anything worse than that. But here's this woman... She's so in the tank for the Palestinian cause that she doesn't seem to have a sense of what is, what is right and what is wrong yeah. and can't seem to say that rape is bad and just stick to that one issue. And, and really, in, in fairness to Bash, she you know, kind of holds her feet to the fire about this. Uh, let's play that. With, with respect, I was just asking about the, the women and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific, and okay. I think that rape is horrific, sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. So it might be okay in war situations, you understand. So, you know, you need to understand that, Bash. Okay? Anyway, what a bizarre attitude. Here you go. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have to be... Wait, wait, wait using this as tools. 
So in other words, it's okay. You know, rape is a tool in the same way that throwing a hand grenade might be a tool or surprising somebody in a, in a pre-dawn raid is, is a tool. A rifle. Ra- yeah, a rifle, exactly yeah. right. So rape is one of your many tools that you can pull out of your bag yeah. and, uh, and attack. Yeah. All right, so what an idiot. Here you go. He balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. 15,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, three quarters of whom and it's, are women and children. And it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping um, Well, Dana, I think women. we're not... Yeah, she, she brought up a very good point. You don't see Israeli soldiers. And this is really, to her credit, the, 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 the interviewer, uh, this is something that I've remarked on many times. You will not see Israeli soldiers raping uh, Arab women any, at any time in its history. Uh, to the extent there's any sort of question about sexual assault by an Israeli soldier, or for that matter, any man uh, perpetrating such a terrible crime upon any woman, he's going to get punished big time. Oh, yeah. These guys will be applauded. They'll be celebrated, the Palestinian men who did this. Uh, that, that's okay. Then, then they've used their tool of war, as it were. <laughs> that's crazy people. Yeah. These, let's continue on. But I really do like the fact that she's really pushing on this. Not, we're not, I, I don't want this to be the hierarchy of oppressions. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't want to. So she, she really wants to focus on how, uh, you know, please, please, let's keep our eye on the prize, you know, Bash. Uh, there, there are people who have been dying in, in Gaza, and we need to do something about that. And you're rapes, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. That's, that's cool. Yeah, let's, let's not talk about that. 15,000 men, women, and children have been killed. No, first of all, that, that number is highly suspect. That's a number that Hamas itself has pushed out. So you could probably take off a zero there, okay? Probably. Uh, I'm not saying that none of those lives are precious in their own ways. but And, and then you also have to kind of calibrate a little bit. Uh, unlike the Israeli women who were ra- raped, they were not participants in some sort of mass slaughter right. of Gaza, okay? And this, the, these people, almost to a, a man, woman, and child, yeah. were participants in the horrific attitude toward Israel, telling everyone that they should kill and slaughter uh, Israelis as much as possible, right. including children, okay? And, and, and for proof of that, just look at the videos when they brought the hostages into Gaza and how the whole community came out celebrating, spitting, and punching uh, these hostages in the face, including children, okay? Uh, it's not the same thing with the Israeli women or children uh, at all. If, if they were to see a uh, you know, Palestinian being arrested for terrorism, they wouldn't go out in the streets and start punching them in the face and all that. they they just leave them alone, let, let justice be done, yeah. as it were. But that's, uh, it's, it's a very, um, this is a terrifying moment in history. We, we are looking at universities that don't seem to understand the difference between right and wrong either. The president of Harvard has been pushed to uh, acknowledge that the amount of anti-Semitism going on is totally unacceptable. And she can't even say that. And, and she's not the only one. Right. She finally said, I think today, Wednesday, the 6th of December, that, that anti-Semitism is vile. Okay, great. A uh, little too little, a little too late, <laughs> but it's something, I guess. But it's not, it's not acceptable that somehow uh, in the idea of killing the Jews and spitting on the Jews and demonizing the Jews is totally acceptable in the world of the university. And uh, were you to say the same thing about the Gazans or what the Palestinians are doing, or you question that their, their side is, is the correct side, uh, then you'll be ostracized. You'll, you will be canceled. So... Uh, these these university presidents can later claim one day, oh, you don't understand, Mr. Lurie, Mr. Goodman. Yeah, yeah, there was so much pressure back then. I uh, just, you know, what what were we to do? No, you, you got to stand up. Yeah. This is what we expect of you. you. You may not like it. You may like you may not like the heat, but these are students who don't know what they're talking about. These are eighteen to twenty two year old people, yeah. by and large, who are idiots. Okay, they don't have the maturity, they don't have any sense of right and wrong, and you're just placating them, and you're just festering more of this evil. So, uh, unacceptable. Yeah, and the question is, you tell the truth. That's what character is. No matter what, you tell the truth. And if you don't think what Palestine did, or Hamas did, was absolutely horrible, just say it. 
let everybody know. But why hide behind your words or your witticisms when the reality is there's very clearly one side that was good and the other side that was very, very horrifically, almost inconceivably bad. We've also got some interesting things that developed from this uh, story, but also the, the general concept. Uh, women's groups, of course, are silent on all these rapes, right? It, it was bizarre how silent they are. I, I have so little respect and so much less respect than I ever had for these women's groups that purport to be for women. All these pussy hat, you know, uh, yeah. you know caps that they had. Do you yeah. think any of them are, are – nobody's out there saying outrage for what the uh, Arab men have done upon these Israeli women and, and holding pictures of women who have been beaten up. And to a pulp and after having been raped who, who somehow survived uh, and showing those pictures, right? You would expect that. Yeah. But, but no, 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 no. And, and where are the, the same, you know, where, you know where they are? The same place where the women are protesting all the transgenders, the men who are actually uh, participating in women's sports. That's, that's the same place. Yeah. In, in the land of Silencia. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where they are. God, it's, it's crazy. Uh, look, Somebody said this very well. Um, the rapes were not just a bump in the road of the October 7 attacks. They were a feature of yeah. the October 7 attacks. This, uh, ignoring this is like denying the Holocaust in many ways. It's, it's just what the world does. They just ignore anti-Semitism. They ignore the rapes while at the same time apparently encouraging it. Right? That's, that's all you're doing when you're not showcase, showcasing the horror of what they did. And these, these schmucks, these monsters, they actually videoed themselves raping women. Yeah. It's, it's all there. Yeah. Uh, this is related from the, uh, the outlet, The Hill. Representative Debbie Dingell, she's a Democrat from Michigan, a Democrat, said Monday she was doxxed three times because of her condemnation of Hamas's use of rape against Israeli women but added she is now even more committed to calling attention to the issue, nice. which is very good. I'm impressed. Quote, the very first week of this attack after Hamas, I condemned the raping of women and said that no one could condone it. And Palestinian men went after me, called me a liar, demanded that I retracted it. I got doxxed over the subject. Oh, yeah. And guess who? It wasn't Palestinian men who were doxxing her. Really? Okay. No, it's Democrats who are doxxing yeah. her. Of course. Jeez. Dingell said in an interview with CNN's Casey Hunt, I have spent the last seven weeks researching the raping of women that has occurred in the Mideast. She's referring to October 7. It is outrageous. I condemn it, Dingle said. And by the way, it's not just yeah, October 7, which is horrific enough. But uh, sadly, Arab men rape yeah. constantly. It's yeah, just, yeah. and there's, there's no, um, no answering for it. They don't go to jail for it. Um, in the... In, in Arab, Arab criminal justice, if you are accused of rape of a woman, you need at least two witnesses and two male witnesses at that. Yeah. Okay. I think you, you, if you have four female witnesses, then, then that is the equivalent of two male witnesses. Anyway, that's my understanding. I could be corrected on that, but it doesn't matter. The, the, the reality is that men don't get criminalized. They're not, they don't get penalized for, for raping a woman. They just don't. Uh, certainly not to the extent that they have anywhere else in the world. Anyway, so she condemns it. Dingle said that it was stunning to get such vicious attacks from people, including women, demanding that she retract her statements. And she said, I won't. All I did was make, all it, all it did was make me anger, she said. This is going to be an issue I'm seriously going to take on. Okay. So the fact that women, such as JPL, essentially demand that she hold back on her attack of men raping women, uh, only goes to show that the issue of destroying Israel is far greater than the issue of, of uh, women, yeah. far, far greater to them. So it's, it's their agenda, uber alles. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That, 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 it's a phenomenon that we will study for, I think, God willing, decades to come in the same way we study Holocaust denialism. Right. That, that they're just denying that these rapes even happened. But, you know, uh, tragically, but, uh, in, uh, but from a sense of evidence, they, they actually filmed themselves doing these things. We, we know that it happened. Right. So these, in addition to these women who, who 
were raped and sometimes killed, and some of those who survived, they, they have the double in, in indignity of having been raped and then having people not believe them. Can you imagine? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin the suffering of such a person. I, as, as, since I'm not a woman, I, I can't truly appreciate it, but I, just the, the horror of having to experience that, just the horror. Yeah. The, the, the sheer terror of knowing if you're an Israeli woman that it's very possible and very likely that not only are you being raped but you're likely going to be savagely killed uh, how, how horrific that must be yeah. anyway yeah. <sighs> Biden says that if it weren't for Trump he might not be running at all <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> uh, which shows that he's got Trump derangement syndrome himself right yeah. Uh, he's obsessed with Trump, right? Like, like the whole Democrat Party. But let, I want you to hear this particular uh, a comment that uh, was about, this is, I believe, from the Bloomberg uh, outlet. And it's, it's fascinating because it shows exactly what they're worried about. Here you go. President Biden made yeah. at a campaign in Boston, quote, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running, but we cannot let him win for the sake of our country. Is that a message at 81 years old when poll after poll says the American people think you are too old to be running for this country saying, well, if he wasn't in it, maybe I wouldn't be. I got to give him points for honesty. It was a really interesting thing. And if I were one of the donors in the room, I'm not sure what I would do with that information. It's well, that, that's a great point, right? I mean, what would you do with that? information. And, and it's shocking to me because it, it indicates that his level of self-deception, like we, we must stop Trump. And that's why I'm running against him for the second time, because I'm the only man who can do it. Is that the concept? I mean, if, if he really wants to stop it and, and he, could, he could convince himself that there's somebody who is more likelihood to beat Trump, well, then why wouldn't he back that horse? Right. But yeah. somehow he thinks very highly of himself. Let's let's continue on. It's an odd um, position to one, believe that he is the only Democrat who yeah. could beat Donald there you go. Trump. Yeah. Um, others might have difficulty. But the polls after poll after poll are showing that voters are worried about his age, that voters are worried about his ability to beat Trump this time. And so I think that I that's not the kind of messaging that if I were his PR people I would be thrilled with. Yeah, I wouldn't be thrilled with it all. I mean, they must be very terrified of Biden's comments just now that we've heard. And I guess there was not a video of that, of him actually saying it, but it doesn't matter. The point is, he's not denying that he said that. So he really, again, truly thinks that he is the bomb. Uh, and he must, you know, he's, he's got Trump derangement syndrome himself. He's obsessed, like I said. He's also saying that there's nobody else that could possibly beat Trump. So he's running for the good of the country, yeah. you see. Who else could stop this horrible maverick, this tsunami of a force called Trump, right? <laughs> but, but wait a minute, Devin, I thought that Trump was a ridiculous factor. Yeah. He, he has no chance of winning. Right. So why are they fighting so hard? I mean, we, we brought this up. Why, why did they have four indictments within four weeks against him, which we know they wouldn't have brought, but for the fact that he was running for president? Why would they be initiating lawsuits against him so that his name doesn't appear on a ballot unless they were terrified of him? And, and why would Biden say exactly what, what, he just, what we just played, that he wouldn't be running if it weren't for Trump running? If, if, if Trump were such a ridiculous, laughable factor, well, then... Why is Biden proclaiming that he has to run in order to make sure that Trump does not prevail in this country? Right. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. And the thing I love is there. She said voters are worried about his age. When, no, voters are worried about their paycheck. Voters are worried about the border. Voters are worried about crime. They don't care about the the age is insignificant. Like they're, they're trying to say like, oh, his low palm was are about something other than his incompetency. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's a good point. It, it, well, there's there's so much more. People they're they're voting against him because of the the border. They're voting against him because there there's a sense that the world is becoming you know collapsing before their eyes, uh, and China seems to be making noise now with Taiwan. Surprise, surprise, right? That that is not a surprise, by the way. <laughs> that one won't be right. when it happens. God forbid. 
uh, that that will be one of the things that's not a surprise. But in a sense, it is from an, an overall perspective. Not Biden is creating a, a very fragile and unpredictable world. So the only thing that is predictable is its unpredictability. Yeah. How about that, right? The only thing that doesn't change is change itself, right, as they say. So same sort of thing here. Uh, look, the the reason why they're pushing to keep Biden in as president, let's face it, and why he himself needs to remain as a candidate for president in 2024 is because they can't afford for him, Biden, to be out of the White House. Yeah. They can't. With all the investigations now pending against him and all the issues regarding what James uh, Comey, Comer is, yeah. is finding, uh, they, they'll discover that he's been a traitor, that he's actually been taking bribes uh, from the Chinese, from the Ukrainians, from the Romanians, probably from the Iranians as well, probably from the drug cartels. I don't know about the latter two. I'm, I'm much more confident about the first three. But hey, you know, if you say that I'm being absurd, like, right. wait a minute, I'm like... If he's taking money from the first three I mentioned, why is it such a shock that he would take money from the other two? Yeah. They're all enemies of the country, yeah. all of them. Uh, maybe not Romania, but he, so the idea is is pretty well taken, I think. Yeah. So let's let's make this very clear, okay? <laughs> he's he's a corrupt animal, and he's got to stay in power. That is their only hope to kind of keep those crazy Republicans at bay. If they somehow win in 2024, and God knows what they'll do, what they need to do to win, we know that that the tricks are always up their sleeve. I, I'm very suspicious about 2020, and, I, and I'm very concerned about 2024. Um, so if that happens, then they get to hold the the House and the Senate, and they they get to hold the bully pulpit at least until 2028, arguably, right? And let's just keep everything swept under the rug. And God willing, they can also control the House. God willing, they can control the Senate. There's a lot of hope going on, right? right? You, know, you know, praise the Lord, sort of help. Yeah. That, that's, what they, that's what they're looking for. All right, so that's, that's issue number one. Uh, issue number two is that uh, they, they, they have to have Biden himself in it. Yeah. So that's the reason why I think that they are not pushing to have a replacement for Biden, even though Biden is the most likely candidate to lose to Trump at this point. They do have stronger candidates. I have no doubt about that. It, but if they did have a stronger, no, sorry, if they, if they felt strongly about Biden, they wouldn't be pushing anybody. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, they don't feel strongly about Biden, and they're still not pushing anybody else. That's because they feel like they're stuck with him. They have no, he, he's so toxic, and yet to, to somehow let him go away means that there might be more exposure about them. They might might throw him under the bus and say, yeah, he, he was a pretty bad president. Uh, we, we now realize we're cleaning house um, and, and there's a new Democrat party here. They, they can't do that because they're, it's like that movie Murder on the Orient Express. They all did it, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, and I think all, the Democrats are so intertwined with each other in the corruption. That's it. And I, I agree with you, too. We're, one of the best investments, I think, as a criminal is to invest in people who inve investigate you. So I think one of the reasons why he's not being impeached and it's so hard is he not only is collecting bribes for himself and also his party, but I think other people in the conservative and Republican Party, that would actually take him down because he's not an idiot, you know? Yeah. Let's uh, talk about... Uh, something very related, which is indeed the Comer investigation. But before I do that, I want to say that, you know, I, I, I've noticed, look, everything that we're seeing about Biden now, it shows us a man who does not believe in God. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. I, you know, look, why do I say that? I mean, I, I know a lot of you probably agree with me about this, but it's worth studying. Sorry. It's worth studying why. It is worth it. Biden does not believe in God. If he did believe in God, he would not. He would have prevented Iran or Hamas from coming in whatsoever. He he would stop the border and the infiltration at the border. He would not be taking the bribes that he obviously did. Uh, he, he would not be trying to dismantle uh, the country in the way he's apparently doing. So uh, he has no sense of evil. It's clear. Everything he's doing is consistent with a man who does not believe in God. That, that's, so I'm not saying it's proof that he does not believe in God, but it is consistent with somebody who does not believe in God. Yeah. 
And from an atheist perspective, they would say, well, what's wrong with that? You make it sound like a bad thing that he doesn't believe in God. Well, I think it is a bad thing that he doesn't believe in God, but, but he doesn't really believe in God. I mean, I, look, he's one of these people that gets to say, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Catholic, right? I, I was uh, confirmed on such and such date. Look at me. I, here's a picture of me with, with my priest. Okay, he's using Catholicism in, this, in his case as a cover, yeah. to protect his misdeeds. And, and this is such a violation of one of the commandments, which is to not carry the name of God in vain. Yeah. And he's pretending that he's doing things with God's permission, right? This is what Hitler did. Yeah. Yeah. So look, obviously he's not throwing anyone in concentration camps, but, yeah. but he's still an evil man. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's make this very clear. This is somebody who does not believe in God. I, I just, I can't, I can't imagine anybody who, who did believe in God would be doing the things that he's doing and has done. Okay. Speaking of the terrible things that have been done, uh, the Comer investigation is now coming out. And this is from National Review. The Department of Justice is preventing two would-be whistleblowers from testifying in the Biden impeachment investigation. Uh, House Republicans claim in a report on the status of their investigation the 78-page report issued by the House Judiciary Ways and Means and Oversight Committees accuses the DOJ of stonewalling the congressional investigation into allegations that the Biden administration gave the president's son, that's Hunter Biden, special treatment while investigating his failure uh, to pay federal income taxes in 2017 and 18. Earlier this year, two IRS whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, came forward alleging that the investigation into Biden's taxes was throttled and politically influenced. Okay? So that's a big, big deal. All right. Now, uh, I'll read to you from another article, which I think is fascinating. And this is from uh, Red State. Uh, the, the title is The Hits Just Keep Coming. House Committee Reveals Biden Correspondent with Hunter Biz Partner. 327 times. So that would be, you know, inconsistent with Joe Biden's previous comment that he had no communications or ties or any meetings whatsoever with Hunter Biden's business partners. Yeah. Okay, so we now know all of this is a lie. When asked about direct payments on Monday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre clammed up and bolted from the briefing room like it was on fire. Yes, <laughs> she sure did. That is very true. Uh, Anyway, so this is according from uh, Representative Jason Smith in uh, X uh, tweet. Never before seen evidence from IRS whistleblowers confirmed that Joe Biden lied when he claimed he knew nothing of his son's business dealings. And we're getting more information about this from uh, Comer himself. Uh, so just today, uh, James Comer uh, talks about how President Biden received direct monthly payments from Hunter Biden among the other lies. Okay, so it's all unraveling now, and I think it's a cause of great concern. We're less than a year away from the election. Let's see what uh, Comer has to say about this. I can claim there was an absolute wall between his official government duties and his family's influence peddling schemes. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed his family didn't receive money from China. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed he never spoke to his son, Hunter Biden, about the Biden's family's shady business dealings. This was a lie. Now, Hunter Biden's legal team and the White House's media allies claim Hunter's corporate entities never made payments directly to Joe Biden. We can officially add this latest talking point to the list of lies. Today, the House Oversight Committee is releasing subpoenaed bank records that show Hunter Biden's business entity, Owasco PC, made direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. This wasn't a payment from Hunter Biden's personal account but an account for his corporation that received payments from China and other shady corners of the world. At this moment, Hunter Biden is under an investigation by the Department of Justice for using a Wasco PC for tax evasion and other serious crimes. And based on whistleblower testimony, we know the Justice Department made a concerted effort to prevent investigators from asking questions about Joe Biden. I wonder... Yeah, so... This is, uh, I mean, all these things are pretty damning. Yeah. And look, I mean, unless he's totally inventing these documents, which he's not, of course, but this is an co official congressional investigation. They subpoena the documents. They're going to be releasing them. They're going to be showing th these transfers into this LLC, what was it, Owasco, 
uh, the Hunter Biden. And, and then, of course, there's 10 percent to the big guy and everything else. And I, it just it's it doesn't just smell. It, it's you can actually see the, the feces on the ground. OK, it's, it's there. OK, yeah. it's not it's not smoke where there might be fire. There, there's the fire. OK, it's it's real. Uh, the impeachment inquiry will be happening. Uh, and then there's going to be an action, uh, official impeachment, God willing, because they really deserve it. Um, and it needs to be exposed, completely exposed. So we'll see. Uh, but, I, but I'm quite confident that the impeachment inquiry will happen. It's going to be happening in early January. And uh, then the president, to the extent that he's a president, uh, he will be actually impeached. So that, that it's well-deserved. Yeah. But look, look how Joe Biden himself freaks out about this situation uh, because, you know, he has to respond. So some interviewer asked him about this. And, well, it's just a lie, I tell you, a, a lie. Uh, there is polling by the Associated Press that shows that almost 70 percent of Americans, including 40 percent of Democrats, believe that you acted either illegally or unethically in regards to your family's business interests. Can you explain to the Americans... Uh, to Americans to admit this impeachment inquiry, why you interacted with so many of your son and brothers foreign business associates? I'm not going to comment on that. I did not, and it was just a bunch of lies. You didn't interact with many of their business associates? I did not. There's well, lies. There are lies. Well, and now he's just going away, of course, uh, because that's what you do when you... When you when you, when you have a meaningful interaction with the press. So he just walks away. It's lies. Okay, but, but look, I, I, I almost don't blame him. What else is he going to say? Yeah. What he could, could have said, it, were he truly innocent, he would say, that document that you're looking at is not what you think it is. Right. It is a transaction of a separate business transaction with, with my son, Hunter. I was not involved with this whatsoever. There are no documents that reflect my – this is supposition on the part of everyone. It's a witch hunt. They, they could say that. But he would, he would say words to that effect. Instead, he just he can't process how to respond to this, so he calls it a bunch of lies and walks away. So now you know that he actually did it, right? This is not the way an innocent man acts, right? Is that fair? Completely. I yeah. think that's the way, the way to go talk about it. Yeah. And, like, if you actually think that he's going to get impeached and he's going to get convicted, then Kamala is the incumbent president. <laughs> it's Kamala against Donald Trump. It's going to be beautiful. No, she she will not be the president because he will not be convicted. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I don't think. It, look, they don't. I mean, they have time to convict him. Yes, but they're not going to convict him uh, because the Senate is is fifty uh, fifty right now, um, and even some Republicans may choose not to convict him. Uh, th- that that is a problem for the conviction. But I, again, I don't know that we want to convict him because the person that would result would be Kamala. Even if she were president for one week, somehow uh, it would be disastrous to the not just to the country but to the world. Yeah. Can you imagine how our enemies would say, "Okay, oh, okay. the the, the uh, what is it? Nobody's guarding the hen house anymore. Let's let's go. Yeah. Let, let's let, let, let's. You thought October seven was bad. It's oh. it's going to be uh, far far freakier than that. Yeah. So we we can't have that. Anyway, uh, speaking about dangers to the country and to the world, so you've heard, of course, about all these drone attacks uh, in the Red Sea by the Houthi rebels. Um, it sounds like, uh, you know, like Star Wars thing. The Houthi rebels have attacked, right? That's like, doesn't it? Like, like, like Jabba the Hutt and the Houthi rebels, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, yeah. It seems like the Houthi rebels belong as characters in Star Wars, but, but I digress. The point is that there's been plenty of attacks upon U.S. interests, both in Iraq and in Syria, I think at this point, as we speak today, there's uh, 75 attacks. And you, you wonder, why are they doing this? What's, what's the advantage to doing this? Uh, because it's all backed by Iran, right? It, it's not the Houthis alone doing this. It's not Hezbollah or Hamas or Fatah doing this alone. Uh, this is backed by Iran. So Iran is doing these things. Why? Because they're, they're testing the waters. Yeah. Literally, they're testing the waters and seeing how far they can go before America reacts in a very aggressive fashion. So they're grooming America. Yeah. How do you like that? They're grooming. They're, they're, they're making it, they're escalating the situation every single time and every single time America doesn't respond. Yeah. Okay. Now, they did shoot down a couple of drones like, whoa, that, <laughs> that, we shot that drone. Yes, we, we are so tough. Yeah. We shot that drone. 
I mean, there was a there was a clip there that this admiral who's who's talking about shooting down the drone. He's talking about how tough it was. How, you know, we we took action and we were show the Iranians that uh, we mean business. Yeah, you shot down a drone, dude. Yeah. That's it. Okay, yeah. you didn't kill anybody in the process. A drone. This is this is the greatness of America now. You see, but you know, there's. There's more where that came from. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Iran. Yeah. We'll shoot down your drones as they come. Uh, and not only that, but we'll pay you $6 billion more. <laughs> How do you like that for a response, right? <laughs> like, maybe you don't like sex bill? How about 10 million? Yeah. How about 15? Okay. It's grooming, man. It's just, it's just grooming. They, they, they are constantly seeing how we will lay down and just take it. Yeah. And we're revealing the paper tiger that we apparently are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. Uh, but notice how much they are taking so much effort to escalate their attacks against us. That's, that's what they're doing. I want you to notice that. Yeah. There's a reason why they're doing it. And it'll get to 100 soon enough. 100, and there'll be bigger and bigger attacks. And we'll continue to do nothing yeah. for fear of escalation in the Middle East. But... But in the meantime, Iran is not just laughing at us, but they're exploiting us and they will demand more money from us and they'll take hostages from us. Right. That's yeah. the way it works over there in the Middle East. You, you don't understand. They understand power. Yeah. They don't understand diplomacy. You think they do. You want them to understand diplomacy. But this, diplomacy works with Democrat countries, the democracies rather. Right. That, that works. But they're not democracies. Dictatorships like Iran and North Korea, et cetera, et cetera, they understand power. Yeah. You tell them that if you punch us, we're going to just slaughter you, they, then they shut up like whimpering dogs. That's, that's, that is the way of the Middle East. Yeah. Okay? Israel knows this. Yeah. And God willing, they'll can, you know, continue to punch Gaza and Hamas the way they should. I, I, I was never for this, this ceasefire. For, even though I'm, I'm very happy that a lot of hostages have been released, that's wonderful. But the price that we're paying is so severe yeah. that, uh, and I say we because I mean Western civilization. I, I say it as an Israeli, but also as an American. We are paying the price yeah. because it's only emboldening the terrorists to continue to uh, take captives as a tool of war. Yeah. There's that word, tool. They, they, it legitimizes the action of taking hostages. Because when you te we tell the world how much you care about hostages, they're not impressed. They use it against you. Yeah. So the, the, the best thing I think uh, Israel could have done is to just wipe out Gaza altogether, take the big hit uh, from a PR point of view, just, just flatten Gaza and say, look, there are always will be casualties of war. And uh, Dresden and many other German cities in World War II were completely flattened. And guess what? There were a lot of uh, old men, women, and children who were killed in the process. Okay? A hell of a lot more than the so-called 15,000, which, again, I would take off a zero there, uh, have happened in Gaza. And that's that. That is the casualty of war. And you ought to think about that before you do this sort of craziness on October 7th ever again. We, we will just wipe you out. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just the way it works. You, it's all on you, not on us. Yeah. You expect us to tiptoe around. You get to slaughter us, but we have to tiptoe around you. No. Yeah. And, and just to really emphasize this point, and this, this is a horrific uh, fact that you may not know. The fact is that uh, we, that the release of the hostages back in, I think it was 2012, when we released, uh, they released... Um, Gilad Shalit, he was that one Israeli soldier who was hostage for five years. They released more than a thousand Palestinian prisoners and terrorists for, for that one man, yeah. okay? And I, I have to tell you the shocking story is that among those thousand, no, no surprise, you would have maybe a couple bad actors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you, hear, you heard it here first. Okay, <laughs> that they might want to do something bad. Okay, well, sure enough, don't you know, one of those guys was the man who master planned October 7. He was the one. Jeez. Thank you. You see, the, the whole point about this is that no, no good comes out of negotiating with evil. No. There, there's no moment in a history where 
negotiating with evil has resulted in a good thing. No one who looks back and say, you know, it was tough to do this, but, you know, it resolved things. It, it created a rebalancing of, of power and we got uh, this result and not that result. No, 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 no. Every single time starting, I mean, I'm talking about modern history now. It also applies in the past. But when you let the snake into your house and you don't kill it, the snake will torment you. Yeah. Okay, it's as simple as that. And it will grow if it's a python, let's say. I'm trying to develop my metaphor as I go along. Yeah. But same thing with that crocodile. It, it just gets bigger and bigger. And the problem gets worse and worse. And that's what's happening. Yeah. It, it, and people seem so surprised. But they only, they only look at things from the individualized moment. Right? right? Just like a, a gambler going into Las Vegas only sees his particular moment. Will he win? Will he lose? That's it. He doesn't see as part of, he doesn't see himself as part of a collective whole where in all likelihood he's going to lose money, but he doesn't see it that way. And the same thing for the hostages. They, they see themselves only for that moment. I want my baby released. Please give me back my baby. And that's all I care about. They, They, and I don't blame them. I'm not saying that I blame any mother or father or brother or sister who would be clamoring and I would too. If God forbid any one of my family members were taken hostage, I would do everything I could to demand my government do whatever it took to release not just a thousand uh, prisoners, but two thousand, ten thousand to get my baby back. Okay, I get that, but it's not right. It's just not right. It's the difference between individualized compassion and compassion in the macro, and it's just not right. You can't do it. And Israel made this mistake this time as well as previous times. Three to one, you know, three monsters for every one innocent hostage. And we still don't have all the hostages. What Israel should have done is to say, look, we will cease fire as the moment you give us every single one of the hostages. We will stop, okay? We will continue to rout every single Hamas terrorist. We will destroy you all, but we are going to continue fighting until we get every single hostage out. Then we will accept a ceasefire. And we're not giving you a single friggin' Palestinian terrorist. Not one. No. Okay? Yeah. Too dangerous. Even one for one is not appropriate. I, I, I think that Israel should have demanded, you know, the reverse. Like for every um, one uh, terrorist that they release for, to, back to Hamas, that we get back three hostages. Right. Okay, that, that, that might be palatable, might be. I, even then I don't like it. But the numbers were reversed three to one in their favor? No, no, sir, no, 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 no. We're just gonna see another horrific attack from one of these monsters that we were. So, so we emboldened the Hamas enterprise to say, yeah, they, they did a good thing because now they're getting the result. One of the many of the results that they wanted was to use it as a negotiating leverage. Uh, we've made them think that they are going to uh, succeed again that they can do this now as a tool for future purposes. And in addition, they're going to be using, uh, they're actually releasing evil people to do this uh, yet again, yeah. one day. Other than that, hostage chasing, you know, trading prisoners for hostages is an awesome idea. Right. <laughs> I, I, no. no. Okay, so evil, it, it, you, it never pays and has never paid to negotiate with evil. You know, I understood this. A man named Ronald Reagan. Yes. He did not say, let's do a detente. Detente is this uh, fancy phrase of saying, let a sleeping dog lie. Let's not stir the pot. Sure, they're evil, but, you know, we don't like them. But let them do their thing. As long as they don't encroach upon our territory, we won't encroach upon theirs. It's not the best of all worlds, but at least there's a peace going on. Nope, Ronald Reagan says can't negotiate with, with uh, evil people. And, and the communist enterprise was very evil, still is. So uh, the only thing we can learn from this is that you cannot negotiate with evil. I, 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 can you think of a single example where somehow negotiating with, with terrorists or rogue countries like Iran has, has been a, a good thing for America? It's never, right? No. Yeah. And Ronald Reagan says with, with the... Um, with the the, Iranian, the, hostage, the American hostages that Iran held from the embassy, um, he didn't give up anything. He didn't release a single Iranian soldier, yeah. did he? No. So didn't do anything. He just said, 
I mean, we don't know exactly what he said to the Iranians, but I can tell you, he, he probably said something very, very severe. Right. <laughs> and said, look, you, you want to hold the hostages? I don't care about the hostages. I'm just going to blitz Tehran. Right. That's probably what he said. Yeah. They said, here you go. <laughs> that's what they said. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the, they understand power. Yeah. They understand it. And to not, for you not to understand that that's all they understand. Shame on you. That's what I say. All right, one last thing. Uh, this is crime down in San Francisco. Did you know that? Crime is down in San Francisco. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Washington Examiner. The San Francisco has now decided to crack down on car burglaries and other uh, theft. Coincidentally, the city has now seen a drop in car burglaries. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're rubbing your chin, I see. It may be impossible to know, but the two things may be related. <laughs> That's not my line. That's from the Washington Examiner. It's very funny. They may be related. San Francisco renewed its focus on car break-ins using bait cars, plainclothes, police officers, and video surveillance to crack down on, on uh, car burglaries. San Francisco District Attorney Brooke, Brooke Jenkins, who replaced pro-criminal District Attorney Chesa Bowden after he was recalled, emphasized vigorous prosecutions, hardline messaging, and police efforts targeted at prolific burglars. Incredibly enough, arresting prolific car burglars and throwing the book at them has resulted in few car burglaries. I don't, I don't, I, I want to pause there. How is that, does that make sense to you? How, so when you enforce the law, there are fewer criminal activities. Yeah, can that you draw, right. yeah, can you draw a diagram for me about this? I mean, because it's one of those things that just doesn't make immediate logical sense. I don't understand. Because <laughs> I thought, you know, what, you know, our whole program has been to release as quickly as possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Car burglaries throughout this year matched the numbers from 2022. Then San Francisco pledged to crack down on these break-ins in August, and the numbers dropped dramatically. <laughs> there were 6,700 reported smash-and-grab car burglaries from September 1 to November 26 last year. The number during that period dropped to 3,399 this year, again, after the previous eight months this year matched last year's number. So we're seeing a dramatic decrease in crime in San Francisco because they're enforcing the law. Yeah. (laughs) Rub that chin. Rub that chin. I like it. You're you're shining your chin really well. I like it. In Los Angeles, um, Gascon, there was a a terrible guy, an evil man who, who killed apparently four homeless men. And that's awful, of course. And, but they got him. They, they got the guy. And they're, they're prosecuting him to the hilt. And he's very proud of it. <laughs> I wish I could play the clip for you. And he's, he's very righteous about this. We are uh, going to prosecute him. And we're going to you know, see the full extent of uh, penalty associated with him. And I, I almost felt like I was waiting for him to say, and uh, we are looking forward to the day that we can release him immediately <laughs> with no bail whatsoever <laughs> and with a trial date for him to come. At which point we will uh, simply allow him to go the streets again, uh, but with a conviction on his record, yeah. which conviction cannot be used against him when he wants to rent an apartment anywhere in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> and then he nods his head like aggressively. So there, <laughs> right? That's what I think would happen. Anyway, fascinating, right? Uh, boy, you know, what a disaster it is for Biden um, I mean, I think the chickens are coming home to roost. BLM, the leader of uh, Black Lives Matter, is now coming out in favor of Trump. I mean, <laughs> I mean headlines we would not expect to see. How about that? Right. Like we said in the very beginning of this, this podcast, news you would not expect, yeah. right? I, I, here it is. Yeah. People are just, they're, they're, they're not even showcasing it because it's so bizarre for one thing. But secondly, they don't want anyone to hear it. Right. The last thing the Democrats want to do is, because there's so much bad news upon bad news about his, his chances of succeeding, um, the last thing they want to do is to make sure that, uh, to, to, to showcase that the leader of the Black Lives Matter is, is for Trump. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> uh, and it's not only that, it's not only that, uh, it's that so many blacks, generally speaking, are now, I mean, showcase after showcase, they're, they're not stupid. I saw this wonderful montage. I wish I could find it. But one black man and black woman after the other saying how much they love Trump. They're going to vote for him. They're tired of Biden. They feel they've been they they feel used and abused. And they're right. They're absolutely right. And and I think they see reality a hell of a lot better 
than these elites uh, in Washington who are in the rich suburbs and such. They actually live in America, these, uh, these black middle-income men um, and, and lower class, uh, meaning that not as much money, but whatever, they're, they're on the ground. And they know what's what. They know how hard it is to keep a buck. And, and the Democrats are not doing anything for them. And they realize now in hindsight, you know, things were pretty good under Trump. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should stay with them. Exactly. And I think that you're exactly right. Like they think that they're just going to have black people in the back of their pocket, but no, you have people who actually have families who have obligations and they saw how good it was, how great employment was under Trump. They are not going to let that go. Yeah. Yeah. That is really true. Uh, They're not going to let it go. And this is, uh, they're, they're now facing a 20 plus percentage uh, vote for Trump in 2024, whereas in the past, the Republicans were lucky if they got 9, 10, 12% lucky. And now it's going to be 20 plus percent. You can't win as a Democrat when the Republicans are winning 20% of the black vote. Yeah. And likewise, in the Hispanic vote, it's 47%. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy about that too. There is a big, big disconnect that you know. I, I, so I think they have competing, <laughs> competing interests. It's like a, it's like a James Bond movie, right? You you want to, you know, defuse the bomb before it goes off. At the same time, get the bad guy, right? So what is their bomb that's about to you know blow up? Well, their bomb that they want to make sure they, they they destroy America before 2024 or make, make the fix so in and so impossible to retrieve America before 2024. So you can, you know, their, their Mission Impossible music is playing in the background while they're trying to do this, uh, and 2024 is, is, is fast approaching. Will they do it? Will they be able to destroy America in time? <laughs> it's like, because they may not win the election. But, but, you know, time is running out, right? It's what, I, I just love that theme, right? Anyway, folks, uh, we've got a lot of work to do. You've got to get it out there, fight for America, uh, talk it up, uh, fight for Trump, because I think Trump is, uh, is going to be the nominee, and we, we need to back him up 100%. Fight for America, fight for Christianity, fight for Israel, uh, fight for God, okay? All these things you need to fight out. It's, it's time for us to speak up, okay? And, and please, if you love this podcast, and I, I know a lot of you do, please introduce one or two more people into this podcast. We want to really make a big wave out of this. It's growing. Every one of you has been doing such great work, and I so appreciate that. All right, folks, Brock Lurie signing off, saying God bless, and we'll talk with you next week. <laughs>